G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to talk about loving our community, learning to love our community, planting, growing, harvesting. Well, one of the biggest challenges for Christians is learning to love the people in our community. Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So whether it's connecting with people in your children's school or through community or sporting clubs, engaging with the community is what Christians do. And there are ways that you can be empowered to live your life with significance. Our special guest today is Paul Bartlett. He is the national leader for community engagement in the Australian Christian churches. And he's overseeing as many as 1,100 churches and their community engagement activities. Paul is the senior leader of Lighthouse Church in Wollongong. He's president of Cedars Christian College, a school of over 600 students, as well as the chaplain to NBL basketball team, the Wollongong Hawks. He's part of the state executive for the Australian Christian Churches in New South Wales and is the national leader, as I say, for community engagement in Australia. He's also written a book that we'll talk about very shortly. It's called Thank God It's Monday, which is about living every day with purpose. So a special, very very special welcome to Paul Bartlett. Paul, welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's great to be with you. I've listening to you describe all those things, I'm starting to get a bit exhausted, actually, just listening to that. <laughs> I know. That's right. Sometimes <laughs> the involvements we have can be uh, become a very long list, and you have got a very long list. It means you're probably keeping very busy every week. Busyness well, is one of those things. I'm focused. <laughs> focused, yes. Yeah. As we get a conversation like this underway today, Paul, because this is such an important area for us to get a focus on, if we're going to be yeah. talking about uh, the idea of community engagement, in fact, yeah. uh, we just played a song just a few moments ago, Love is Not a Fight. Sometimes you feel like, yeah. as a Christian believer, there's the fight with the community somehow, but really yeah. the fight is not with the community, it's for the community. And, well, uh, that's right. And there's a certain sense in which you, if you get that wrong, you can be on the wrong tangent here. So uh, what are your thoughts about engaging in the community by by way of the fact that we actually fight for our community? Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, I think uh, a couple of things I've tried to do over the recent years is uh, I, I'm really challenging churches to think about how they think about community. And typically what we do, I think we all would say we love our community a bit, but sometimes the way in which I think the community feels love, even though we intend love, is not what they experience. For example, we often turn up for events in our community, and I speak to a lot of churches, and I say, and it's a bit controversial, but I say, listen, stop doing outreach, because outreach requires a budget, a program, and a date in your calendar or diary that you spend a few months organizing, and we run out, we do something with the community, and then we run back in. Um, in fact, I call it the castle mentality, the castle mentality where the church is like a castle. They haven't thought of doing outreach for a while. We suddenly think of it. 
We plan it, get it organised. We lower the drawbridge. We run out, touch a few people, have a great experience, uh, get back on our horses, run back in and put the drawbridge back up and don't have anything to do with the community again. And so I think... Uh, what we've discovered, because I spend most of my life in community, that the community is a little bit suspicious when the church turns up for certain things to be involved in uh, and then goes back to do the church-like things. So my encouragement is, how could we love our community every day of the week? Okay. Well, there might be a few feathers ruffled, and I'll invite listeners to participate in our conversation today, because when you say... Stop doing outreach. Uh, sometimes in church life we are so conditioned, aren't we, uh, that yeah. we're preparing for the outreach event. Uh, you're saying that sometimes you do the outreach event, uh, then everybody yeah. breathes a sigh of relief and says, oh, that's over. Now we can stop being influential in the community again until somebody comes up yeah. with a great idea for another outreach event. It's true. And so I guess uh, one, of the things, uh, one of the things I would say is, look, it's not that these things are wrong. I think... You know, we're so black and white. My question to everybody in the way they engage the community is what they're doing. Is it helpful? Because it might have good intention, but maybe it's not helpful in teaching our community that actually, you know, we're in community spaces every day of the week. Not all of them look like events, but we definitely show up to our workplace. We're showing up to the sporting events that we love. We're showing up to the local markets. So Christians are in community, but we often only think about loving people when we call it an event or an outreach. Um, And I think our community deserves a whole lot more than that. So you're saying that you certain when you do a particular outreach, you might be wearing your church hat. And uh, if you talk about wearing different hats, uh, all of a sudden you've turned up to be a part of a school community function, but you're not wearing your church hat, so you feel like you don't have to be Christian influence. But if you don't have those hats to change, you're always on duty. That's right. And, you know, if you're part, you might be part of the local PNC at the local school. And, you know, nobody that wasn't organized by your church, but you're a Christian and you're in that place. Uh, And my challenge would be is how could you be Christ every day of the week? Say your pastor never organized an outreach event. Could you still find fulfilling expression of your faith in community spaces, even if an event wasn't organized? And of course, the answer would be yes. And most people would say yes, but it's not often the way uh, we think about engaging community. Um, I mean, it's why, it's why I wrote, thank God it's Monday, because one of the things we've done at Lighthouse, our church, is I've taught people that their workplace is their calling. And whether me, the pastor, whether I organize, you know, an event for them to share their faith in or not is irrelevant in a sense, as long as they recognize that the moment they step into their workplace, they're not just there to earn money. They're not just there to fulfill uh, a, a living and get the kids through school and buy the food. They're actually there to walk out their faith in an authentic way in front of people that don't yet know Jesus. Okay, let's talk about this idea of influence in the community because as soon as we come to grips with uh, what you've just shared with us as really being viable, the idea of uh, the way that your church does outreach and uh, perhaps stop doing outreach, but what you're saying is uh, what happens with the influence in the community isn't that the outreach stops but that you actually talk about quadrupling your influence in the community. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah, this look, is like a supercharging. Yeah. Well, it is. Again, uh, 
I, I, I'm, uh, I'm in a fantastic movement, the Australian Christian Churches, but sometimes our only measure is the amount of people that sit in our seats in our congregations on Sundays. And while I think we should measure those things, they're definitely one way to measure success. They can't be the only way to measure, measure, measure success. For example, um, I meet with many country pastors uh, in small towns who, you know, they may be only getting 50 people to their congregation, but, gee, the pastor is well-known in the community, well-established. I mean, sometimes the local church pastor in a country church is also the local fire chief. I mean, he already gets community. And so my encouragement is, what if you could measure other ways uh, that your church is growing, other than just uh, people on seats on Sundays? And so, you know, we have KPIs for the internal church things. We also have key performance indicators for the things we do in our community. And, uh, for example, we measure partnerships. You know, one of the things we love to do at Lighthouse is we have partnerships with a whole group of community organizations, some Christian, some not. And we measure the strength of those. We measure the success of those, the growth of those. Um, and it r- makes us realize, oh, wow, we are influencing not just the people that sit at church on Sunday, but we're influencing, in fact, I'd say at Lighthouse, we're probably influencing six times the amount of people every week in the community compared to what come to our church on a Sunday morning. Now, some people will say, uh, well, you know, there's lots of people in our church who are involved in those community activities. It's just that our church is not measuring those. Is there something here in the way that perhaps the church even can feel as though it's not being effective, even though people in church life are actually being very effective, but perhaps we haven't recognized those people for the work they're doing? Very true. Very true, Neil. And in fact, you know, to encourage pastors listening, um, one of the ways they can be encouraged is to start to measure things, not that they've organized or that their church has decided to do, but things that the people in their church are doing. And it would be a great encouragement. I mean, I guess the fundamental principle is this. A lot of what we do, we talk about um, a lot of a lot of what we do is church centric. And so we see the church as a building, a place that people come to. But of course, Jesus never described the church as a building, Jesus described the church as the ecclesia. Ecclesia is actually a group of people called out under his name for purpose. So what it means is, of course, the church is still the church on Monday. It's just that we're not in the buildings. And when we start to think of the church from a uh, kingdom perspective rather than just a church-centric perspective, I guess we start to measure a whole range of different things. Okay, now you've got a community engagement conference that's coming up in early September, the fifth and the sixth yeah, of September. Right. It's, it's going to be, yeah, that's right. It's going to be on in Wollongong, and yeah. you're going to be expecting that there are people who are coming from uh, not only ACC churches, but no doubt yeah. uh, the invitation will be there for anyone who wants to be involved in yeah, community engagement. Yeah. What sort of things will and you do at, at the conference? Yeah, exactly. So look, we get around about uh, 200 people. For us, it's a great size. 200 people right across the sphere from ACC churches to other denominations. And one of the great things about that, I mean, of course, we're going to have great speakers and most conferences uh, will always focus on speakers. But actually, the other great thing, aside from the great speakers, and I'll talk about them in a moment, is we're gathering all of the, the similar kind of people, people who have a passion for community, people who want to do it differently, and people who are wanting to learn from others. So literally, uh, we often say that some of the greatest learning will happen not just from those who are talking from the front, but from the conversations you're going to be having 
with people in the room for those two days. And it's definitely one of the strengths of the conferences. The reason we have it in the woolshed, um, I don't know where you've heard about the woolshed, but we've, we've managed to purchase this building that used to be an old entertainment venue, and we've turned it into a seven-day-a-week community venue. Hundreds of people through the day come to this venue. It's got a great cafe, restaurant. It's got rentable spaces, kids' spaces, etc. And we created this space uh, as a model for churches whereby they can have a community venue, still do a gathering of church or some sort on a Sunday or Saturday, but have it open to the community for the rest of the week. And so we want to, when we invite people into this space for the conference, we're actually modeling to them different ways that you can think about reaching uh, your community. I guess when we talk about the way that you're discussing change and community engagement here, the risk is, of course, you can be excited about a new idea of looking at things, but there really has to be a shift in the way that you actually implement some of these sorts of changes. You like to talk about a shift in our community engagement and uh, and what you're doing for some people will be quite confronting and it's you know we've not done it like yeah. that before Paul you know so it's so it's a matter it, of it's true how do you how do you actually manage this type of shift if you're in your local church and uh, you know everybody's geared to uh, the sorts of events that we've been talking about how do you manage a yeah. shift to the to the sort of thing that you're talking about it's a it's a great question Neil and I think everything's about thinking so most of the shifts that I do with churches across Australia is first and foremost about helping pastors to see that when you start to think differently about community, it doesn't mean that you have to kill what you're currently doing on Sunday. It doesn't mean you have to make wholesale change. I'm very much um, a transition kind of leader. I'm not for abruptly stopping something and quickly starting something new. I think you've got to transition everything. Um, I also think that um, it's not either or in the sense that Sunday is wrong or more important and Monday is not or vice versa. Monday is more important than Sunday. What I do think we need to do is we need to help our people um, go into their Monday to Saturdays feeling like what they do is equally as spiritual as what they do on Sunday. So one of the things I had to do to change my church was teach them that Sunday is not the most spiritual day of the week. Is Sunday spiritual? Yes, it is, but it's not the most spiritual day of the week. You know, I often joke around with my congregation when I was transitioning, saying, you know, Sunday's not God's most favorite day. God doesn't have a favorite day. He loves all seven days that he made, and each day has a purpose. And if I can help you, you see your purpose in your every day, then you're going to live a more fulfilled, adventurous, Christian outworking of your life, you know. So the big shift, the big shift is starting to see the church not as a place you go, not as something that you attend, but who we are every day of the week. And that's taken us quite a while, but I can tell you that the churches that are making that shift, um, they're developing more mature Christians, they're developing healthier churches, and they're reaching way more people than they ever thought they would imagine. So you've got this idea of a model that's not outdated, as you say, I mean, because you don't change things very easily, but this idea that the church has usually uh, formed upon, the idea of finding a need in the community and meeting it, or when there's a disaster, church people are there and uh, with a loving arm around those who are hurting. But you're talking about discovering the strengths and the assets of the community yeah. and working with those. It's like a proactive thing to do, not just a reactionary way of, of helping when there's yeah. a crisis. You're talking about being proactive. Yeah, it's true, Neil. Actually, I would say this is the biggest shift I've made in my church in recent years 
It's the biggest shift we're making across our nation in all the churches as well, and that is typically what we do. Um, and I'm not against finding a need and meeting it, but I don't think it's the best model. Ten, typically what happens is myself as a pastor or people in a congregation hear about a need, our heart starts to break for it, and our heart goes out to it. We, we quickly run over and try and solve that need by ourselves. Well, what we've learned is instead of just finding a need and meeting it, we've actually gone in, discovered what our community loves, and we do it with them. Or here's a better way to do it. We haven't just found out what's wrong with our community. We've found out what's strong in our community. In other words, we work with the strengths of our community to help solve the problems of our community. Um, and we've found so much more success in that way. We tend to only look at the negative things in our community, but they were really, really positive things. So finding what your community loves and joining them, we call this the mate principle. You know, mates love to do what their mates do. I've got mates that... You know, we go fishing together and we love to do it. So what does my community love to do? And whatever they love to do, I tell you what, I'm going to make sure that Lighthouse, my church, that we show up and do it alongside of them. Some of them are needs-based, but really a lot of them are just fun community interaction that helps us get to know people that we normally would not have got to know. Well, our special guest this hour is Paul Bartlett. Paul is the National Leader for Community Engagement in the Australian Christian Churches. He's overseeing 1,100 churches. Uh, there is a gathering that is coming up called the Community Engagement Conference, going to be on in Wollongong on the 5th and 6th of September. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. We're talking about learning to love your community. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. Or you can leave a comment or a question on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. You're welcome to join in our conversation. Paul Bartlett is our guest. Paul, if we're talking about the sort of change that you're discussing here, uh, there's this old saying sometimes in church life, sometimes you've got to sacrifice some sacred cows. Uh, the idea <laughs> of uh, of change isn't easy for some people because that's the way we've always done it and doing something different doesn't really feel right. What are your thoughts about how you actually see the types of changes that are necessary to engage in the community? Yeah, look, it's, I, I'm not just wanting to make change for change's sake, but one thing that's really helpful in this process over the years is we've been making changes to look at the statistics around uh, church growth and why people are coming to church, why they don't want to come to church. And one of the things we're finding is that it seems like people actually, Australians are interested in God. They are just interested in spirituality, but they don't seem to be as interested in coming to a gathering or a church on a Sunday. And uh, it course, just caused me to start thinking about maybe it's what, Jesus said, which is the church is not a building, but it's people. And I think for the last 25 years, particularly in the attractional model of church, and, and most of my movement works on that, I, I think we should do good Sundays. So it's not about, you know, now we should do bad Sundays. Whatever you do on a Sunday, you should do it the best of what you can produce. But that model says, hey, we've got to get our community to come to us. Now, I think that has been working for the last 20 years, but I think it's starting to not work like it used to. And I think we're coming into a season where actually we've got to teach the church and we've got to start talking about the church going to the community. And it's a slightly more uncomfortable way to think. Of course, it's easier to put on a great show and expect everybody to come. But the stats say they're not coming. And that means we need to reevaluate our current methods and models. You know, I taught my church this, that at Lighthouse, 
there are only two sacred things, uh, God and his word. Everything else we must change through the filter of seeing people coming to know Jesus. Uh, now, Paul, you're with the Australian Christian churches, and people will yeah. have uh, an image in their mind about what church looks like on Sunday for you. Yeah. Uh, when you have yeah. this different alternative way of engaging with the community, does church on Sunday look any different to what you know? What perhaps uh, traditionally people might think that church looks like for you? What do you? What does? Your, what does your church service look like on a Sunday? Yeah, well, there's a growing amount of change happening in churches. Typically, I know, as you, you describe well, that people would have an image of what an ACC church is, a Pentecostal church, lots of uh, great music and maybe crowds, etc. Um, we we do a service like that, but we've just planted uh, two locations. And one of the things we did differently to probably what is even ACC churches is that instead of just turning up in a community, uh, renting a hall and putting a flyer together and dropping it in the mailbox and hoping people will come. And typically what happens when we do that is we actually just get a lot of Christians that are disgruntled with their previous church and now they see a new church is starting and they join that one. And in, so it looks like churches are growing, but we're just transferring people. What we did was I sent these couples two years before they even started a, a, a church and they got spent two years getting to know the community. In fact, one of my couples volunteered at the local community centre. I always joke and laugh around, laugh when they say they volunteer because I was paying them, but they were volunteering in the community uh, for free. Um, but they, I was paying the bill. Uh, but they did that. They spent two years doing that and getting to know the community, the local guy at the cafe and etc., the grocery store, got to know the community, and then they started their service based on the kind of people that were in their community. And uh, rather than just bringing what we have done in other places, we design that location around the community they find themselves in. And so can I describe one of them? One of them is by the beach. And instead of a morning service, because in the morning, all Australians are down at the Surf Life Saving Club and they've got their kids in nippers and they come out of that doing brunch and they roll out a brunch into a coffee time at about three, four in the afternoon. Well, we hired a hall just near the beach. Uh, we have the 4 p.m., not the early one. We actually don't do praise and worship. We do more of a TED Talk. So somebody does a TED Talk for 20 minutes. We have really great food, really great coffee, and we do Q&A, and people can ask whatever question they like about faith whatsoever. All right, it's different. And I want to invite listeners, 1-800-316-316. You can join in our conversation today and uh, give us your impression on the sorts of things we're talking about, engaging and loving your community. Let's take a call from Chris in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Welcome along. Uh, good day, Neil and Gus. Yeah, I, I just want to just make a little... Um, uh, di- agree to disagree on that verse regarding um, uh, God, you know, by... By your love of one another, will all men, men know you're my disciples. Um, I just think that's for the community of believers. Um, I think God also says, you know, do good to all, but first of the household of faith. I think the verse, like, I guess is talking about is in 1 Peter 2.12, live such a good life among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Good stuff, Chris. Uh, that uh, scripture from John thirteen thirty five that I mentioned, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I used that in uh, my introduction today. But uh, but you're talking about living a good life among those who are uh, pagans or those who are not churched in our in our nation. Your response for Chris, Paul? Oh, it's a it's a good point, Chris. And uh, I, I, look, I think uh, on both uh, 
certainly when you quoted that first scripture, the introduction, I, I think the big picture about love is this. Of course, our love for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, I, I would even agree maybe that scripture is talking about that. But I don't think love can be contained either. So I can't turn love on and off, in a sense, from going inside my church to outside my church. So I think, you know, in a sense, you're both right in that sense, because love is good for both inside the church people, with church people and outside. What I would say is, look, I've learned that lesson of that scripture that you quoted, Peter, uh, sorry, Chris, in, in Peter there. I think uh, when I do my chaplaincy role with the Hawks, there's no doubt they're, they're, uh, they are more interested in the life I live than what I say. And it, it's a, in fact, as a pastor in both community and church, in church, I say a lot and expect people to respond. But in the community, almost what I say has no bearing whatsoever what I do is what people are interested in. So I think it's an absolutely good point. And when it comes to community, it's got to... I, we always say this, no relationship, no voice. And the community really doesn't want to listen to us unless we're willing to love them and have relationship with them. Okay, thank you so much to Chris from Victoria. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Paul Bartlett. He's the National Leader for Community Engagement in the Australian Christian Churches. Uh, one of those things that we will just mention a time or two more, of course, is the Community Engagement Conference that's coming up on the 5th and 6th of September in Wollongong. We had one caller who called through who was saying, is there a phone number uh, for the conference, oh, yeah, because this is a caller who says, uh, I'm not online. Uh, is there yep. a phone number? Because I, this person yeah. doesn't have internet access. What, what's the best way sure. to contact for people yeah, like the that? Phone, the phone number there, if the, that person's got a pen ready, is uh, 0431 269 So it's a mobile number, 0431 269 961. And of course, for those that are looking on the web, it's cccommunityengagement.org.au and all the information's there. Um, also, you can go to these days now too. Uh, TJM has become a movement. So thank God it's Monday is not simply a book anymore. It seems to be taking uh, a hold globally and we've created a movement. And you can go to uh, uh, www.tgim-movement.com and we've got blogs there talking about community engagement. We've got ways in which we can talk to people about purpose, etc. So there's lots of information there as well. But we'd love to have you. I want to personally invite you to the conference Uh uh, it's just going to, you're going to be with the right people in the room talking about community. We've got Lisa Sharon Harper from America. Who, well, we'll uh, get some more details call. after the news. We're about to go to news, yeah, but sure. we'll get some more details on who you've got no as speakers. Problem. But Paul Bartlett, National Leader for Community Engagement, the Australian Christian Churches. Our special guest is Paul Bartlett. He is the National Leader for Community Engagement in the Australian Christian Churches. He's overseeing as many as 1,100 churches throughout the nation. He's also written a book called Thank God It's Monday which is about living every day with purpose. And Paul, as we talk about your book, there was some special inspiration that came for writing Thank God It's Monday, and uh, really based on the idea that uh, uh, there was a news headline about a French sailor who was shipwrecked off Tasmania. What's the story and the inspiration here? Yeah, I mean, God, God uses funny things, doesn't he, to capture your attention. I was literally watching the news about five years ago, and some of you may even remember this story, a French sailor who had been sailing around the world got shipwrecked off uh, the coast of Tasmania near the Antarctic, or he's on his way down there, and uh, the Mayday call went out, and the only vessel in any range whatsoever was the cruise boat Orion. Now, the cruise boat Orion had about a 
150 well-paid passengers going on a beautiful, you know, seven-night cruise that they've most likely been saving up for a while to go on and all looking forward to it. Two nights into it, they get the Mayday call, and the captain made a decision to turn the boat around in a different direction and head 53 hours into the storm to rescue one man who, by the way, 12 months earlier was shipwrecked in almost the same spot. So this is the second time he's being rescued. And when I saw that story, something in my head and heart said, hey, the church is meant to be that. The church is meant to be a rescue boat, not a cruise boat. And it's on that basis that we've started to develop our thinking around what would a rescue boat church look like compared to a a cruise boat church. So in your book, do you describe the way that thinking has begun to evolve? Yeah, I do. Well, the first thought would be this is, and I'm a, I'm a senior pastor of a church, so often in cruise boat church, and just like, when, I don't know whether you've been on a cruise before, Neil, but they're wonderful. I have, yeah. on one. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, the first thing that happens when you get on the cruise boat, of course, is the captain makes that announcement, you know, he says, well, I just want to welcome everybody on board, and I just want to let you know that myself and my team, we're here, and whatever it is that you need, please let us know we're here to help you. And sometimes in cruise boat church... Um, after a while, I certainly found this as a senior pastor, I got the feeling that everybody thought that my role was to meet everybody's need. Um, I would suggest this, that true leadership, just like the captain of the cruise boat Orion, true leadership is taking people in a direction they don't want to go. Because you know what's funny about that story? If you look at the, the footage, when the captain made the announcement, everybody was furious. They were up in arms. What? We've paid good money to go on this cruise. We're not going to rescue somebody 53 hours, you know, all that sort of stuff. But if you look at the end of the footage, everybody's cheering when they got the Frenchman on the boat. Uh, Like they're cheering like it was their idea. And my experience as a leader is when I take people towards uh, lost people, I mean, we call it the inconvenient journey. If we're going to reach our community, it's going to be inconvenient. We are going to have to go out of our way. And I, you know, in the early days when I transitioned my church, I had a lot of people upset about the direction I took it. But it's funny, those same people, now that we're reaching our community, now that we're connecting with people, now that we're seeing people who are far from Christ give their life to Christ, I hear people talking about how great it is like it was their idea. But in the early days, they weren't, they weren't with it. And so I think, first and foremost, leadership is never about giving people just what they want. It's always about leading them in a vision that takes them towards people who are far, far from Christ. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's one of the lessons just there that we had to learn. I imagine there'd be those, when you make the transitions that you're talking about, those who are seeing the church as the cruise boats and the pastor yeah. is the one who looks after all of their needs, that sometimes we change that around and you take people into an inconvenient direction. Uh, there's going to be yeah. some who are so upset they might decide to leave. And I imagine that sometimes when you're thinking about how do you change direction in your local church, yeah. uh, one of the fears, I imagine, that the senior pastor will have is if he goes in a different yeah. direction, everybody will uh, will uh, will mutiny and they'll they'll decide oh, they don't want to go. Ship, don't you worry? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's me exactly. I mean, I joke around. I mean, I'm famous for. I mean, I've been a senior leader there for 18 years now, but I'm famous for. I inherited a church of 500 people, and in the first two years, I, I began to preach a message which I thought was really. I thought it was great, actually, but it turned out it wasn't that great. I began to preach a message, what if it's not about you? What if now that we're saved, what if it's not about our favourite song, our favourite car space, our favourite seat in church? What if our vision is about God and 
lost people who are far from Christ? What if it's not all about what we love, but it's what if it's about us getting uncomfortable in a way that connects people to Christ? Well, I grew my church from five, in two years, I grew my church from 500 to 300. Negative growth. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, if listeners are out there, you want to prune your church, invite me. I mean, clearly that was my gift you know, back <laughs> in the day. I mean, you fast forward 18 years of where, where, where you know, three, four, five times that size now. But I tell you, it was pretty difficult for the first three to five years watching people go, and people weren't going nicely. I mean, people, when the direction changes, people are upset. But I guess the one thing, Neil, for me that I, in my heart, I knew, number one, God was calling me to build a church um, that was going to connect people far from Christ. Not even a church, I'm not talking seeker service, I'm not talking... Oh, I've got to build the kind of service where it's it's seeker friendly and all. I'm not talking about that. No, I I feel like I was called to build a church where it mobilizes the people in the church to go toward their community. And so the old model is that I organize the outreach and everybody gets involved once a month and we go do it. No, I feel like the new the future of the church is where everybody sees their every day of the week as an opportunity to fulfill the call of God in their life. You know, I often say to people, if the kingdom of God could fail, um, which I don't believe it will, but if it could, it would fail for two reasons. Number one, people don't know who they are. They don't know that they're sons and daughters of Christ. And number two, they don't know that their workplace is their calling. And us pastors have caused that problem a little bit. We have reinforced the idea that the most spiritual day of the week is Sunday. We've reinforced that uh, church is where you hear God the most. Now, do you hear God? Do you experience God on Sunday? Absolutely. But I tell my people, the spiritual level doesn't drop from Sunday to Monday. The presence of God that's there on Sunday should be seamless throughout the whole week. And I guess that is a different... I didn't think that was a different way of thinking, but apparently it is, as I go around different churches across the nation and the globe. Well, uh, there might be listeners who have their own opinion and uh, what would you do if you were faced with a transition from the cruise boat style church to the rescue boat style church? Uh, Give us a call on 1-800-316-316. You can be part of our conversation today. Let's take a call from Robin in Victoria. Hello, Robin. Welcome along. Hi. Hello. Robin, what are your thoughts on our conversation? Yeah, I'm not really a different tangent, but just that I've believed this for a long, long time, and I know God has shown it to me, um, that I just really believe that it's all about everybody doing what God wants them to do. Now, some of the people will serve the church. They will serve within the church, all that sort of thing. Some won't. They'll go to a mission field or somewhere else or heavy in their work or whatever it might be. But it's about everyone doing what God wants that person to do. That's true. Uh, Robin, uh, let me just sort of bring in here the idea that if everyone was doing their own thing, that may look chaotic. Uh, So, yeah, not saying that. It's doing everyone doing what God wants them to do. That's right. So it's getting with His mission, not just doing your own thing. Uh, Your thoughts, Paul? Hey, Robin, I think that's a great thought, and uh, congratulations on that because that's not always what everybody thinks. And and Neil, you're right there. There's that feeling of chaos. I mean, one of the things I've had to come to terms with as a pastor is is being less in control, and that's a bit pretty scary thing. I often joke around that you know, us senior pastors, where we can be control freaks, and uh, it's, we used to think it was a spiritual gift. I think, but Robin, your point is that um, my role as a pastor is to help people find their God-given call for every day of the week. And I think that's a better model. And so one of the things we've taught our people is, I'm not here to give permission to their God-given call. In fact, my answer is already yes. 
Um, we, we just say this: if God's called you to do something, you should you should raise a team, raise the money if it needs money, and go do it. You don't need my permission. We, we just have a proviso: say, hey, don't do things that cut across, you know, the, what we believe in gathering on Sunday and all that sort of stuff. Don't do things that harm our vision. But as far as doing things every day of the week that you feel called to, my my answer is you should go do it and you should do it with all your heart. And that's a good picture of the church, right? That should be the role of the pastor, which is equipping people for their everyday. So good point, Robin. I like it. A great insight. Thank you so much, Robin, from Victoria. You can be part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. You can join in. We're talking about loving the community and uh, some quite radical and different ways to talk about how church functions. I note that on your website, Paul, there's lots of great testimony stories and yeah. uh, I jotted a few down in some notes. Uh, you've you've had some some things that you've been working with in some churches. Uh, one in Hoppers yeah. Crossing in Victoria, farms to families. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. one in Yangabup in WA, the Great Life yeah. Bread Run. Uh, in yeah. Forbes in New South Wales, a teddy bear's picnic. These are the sorts of examples. <laughs> uh, these They're are great, aren't they? I love them. Yeah. because I love them because I mean, this is it is about uniqueness. It actually, I mean, I'm almost hesitant sometimes to describe methods to people because I think once you get a real heart for your community, once you genuinely, authentically love them, I think the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you specifically about what you could do in your community. You notice that some of those things you read, like the teddy bears picking in Forbes, it's a good picture of, um, hey, they found out what their community is already doing, what the community already loves, and they've turned up and said, hey, how could we help you do it better? which is a great way to think about engaging your community. Another one, uh, conversational English classes in your yeah. city in Wollongong, and clearly yeah. uh, there was a real need for conversational English classes. Oh, this is a great one for Australia generally. Obviously, we have a, a, a great intake of refugees. Uh, there's uh, multiple areas uh, uh, of need, but actually there's not just areas of need. You'll find in the local community, even if it's not in our local church, the local community has a strength around this. So all we did was we, we provided a facility, which is our strength. We've got a building and some rooms. We let the community know that we're, uh, that if you're wanting to learn English for whatever reason, um, and, uh, we invite you to come to free classes and we just invited we had some people in our church, but not everybody was in our church. If you would want to come and teach and mentor people who are learning English, turn up at this time, the coffee's on, the food's there. And I tell you, it was just a great experience. Something Again, it was a combination of partnerships of our community. Sometimes the only time churches do community is if we think of the idea, or sometimes we say we'll partner with somebody, but subtly we have this thought that we'll partner with them till we can take it over. You know, which is often what happens. Well, we we rarely, I mean, we never take over any community group in our city whatsoever. We're more likely to partner with already established community groups than we are to actually think of new things these days. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest is Paul Bartlett, National Leader for Community Engagement in Australian Christian Churches. We've been talking about some for what for many will be radical new ways of thinking about how you do church when it comes to loving your community and being engaged in the community. Uh, let's take another call, Paul. Uh, Wendy is on the line from Penrith in Sydney. Hello, Wendy. Welcome along. 
Hi, and thank you for the phone number. I'm the one that rang up. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, well, very pleased to be able to pass that on, Wendy. Did you have something that you that you had a question, yeah, or did you something I, to add something I to our conversation? I know he talks about the uh, community, and uh, a lot of it uh, pertains to the younger people, shall we say, under 50. <clears throat> um, I want to know, what do you do for the ones over 50? Okay. Yeah, sure. Oh. It's a great question, Wendy. I mean, I think this is this is a great way for uh, the older generation to be involved. You, I think you're right, Wendy, maybe you're inferring to a lot of, but certainly modern church seems to cater for uh, younger people. Community is one of those things that I think older people understand even more than younger people to some degree. You often grew up in uh, a, a sense of community, whereas life's so full and busy for everybody, they don't seem to get a lot of community. Um, take that example we used before about teaching um, English to the refugees. Which, you know, actually, I've got to tell you that my mum, who's in her 70s, was one of the key people that taught in the English uh, classes that she they had here. She absolutely loved it. I think uh, getting together and talking in older groups and talking up some of the things that you used to love about your city and community, what made your town, what made your city famous, holding luncheons where you talk about um, the historical elements of community. We often forget that we don't like talking about history in church, but the community likes talking about history. Um, I think um, we need mentors, uh, people that have done a bit of life, got a bit of wisdom, and who are willing to. So we do homeless youth housing. And so in our case, uh, we want people who have experienced life and has some wisdom who will come and sit alongside, have a cup of tea with some younger people who are doing it a bit tough and talk to them about the lessons they've learned about life. So I think there are lots of things. And I, I want to say to you, I think God's interested in every age and there's something for every age group to do in community. I mean, one of the ways to look there, Wendy, would be to think about what you're passionate about. And what would you love to do and ways in which you could connect that uh, yourself to community as well, I think. So there'd be some thoughts, yeah. Wonderful. Wendy from Penrith, thank you so much for your call. Uh, we'll draw a line under any calls here uh, because just a few minutes remaining in our conversation, just want to draw a few loose ends together. We were talking about this community engagement conference. Is it pastors that will go to that conference or are there uh, people who are ordinary churchgoers who will be a part of this conference, yeah. Paul? It's a bit of everything. Look, typically what happens is senior pastors will send their community leader, but I want to encourage senior pastors because often what happens is those leaders get a bit frustrated because they hear all the new things that are happening in community, all the innovative ways to reach community go back, but they find it hard to convince their senior pastor to do so. So firstly, it's a conference for senior pastors. It's a conference for leaders in churches, but it's also a conference for people who want to hear more about how what they do every day is actually considered a calling and not lesser than what we do on Sunday. So if you're a Christian and you're a part or in community spaces, then I want to encourage you, it's for you. And uh, we've got some great speakers. I think I started to mention before there, Neil, Lisa Sharon Harper, all the way from America. She wrote a book called The Very Good Gospel. And it's a book about how does the gospel collide with everyday living? and what it looks like in community spaces. So she's going to be excellent. We've got Jared McKenna. Jared McKenna is a great advocate for refugees. Uh, he's well-known around Australia. He's a great uh, man as well. Uh, we've got Andy Goulet from Red Frogs. He's coming as well. So 
We've got a whole range of people that are going to be speaking. And in fact, people will love it. They're going to come away to learn so much about engaging their community. And we mentioned your book. Uh, your book is called yeah. Thank God It's Monday. And yeah. you said to us a little earlier that uh, the book has become a movement. Uh, so the TGIM yeah. movement, uh, how does that work? And for people who are just not going to be able to get to the community engagement conference and yeah. uh, people listening in isolated communities right now, how can they yeah. actually be part of this movement well we want you to be we're calling it a revolution because globally what's happening is it's giving voice to the church on mondays now because monday's not the only day of the week as well but monday represents i guess a different day of spirituality than just sundays and so you can jump on the website tgim-movement.com there's a whole bunch of stories there hey you can purchase my book there as well uh, if you purchase it i'd love to sign it for you it just does devalue it if i sign it that's the only thing uh, <laughs> but love for you to buy the book online there you can jump on and tell your story in fact one of the things we want you to do is we have these things called tgim red glasses and the red glasses are for people who see their mondays differently and we've got people all over the globe who when they go to their workplace they find somebody that loves what they do or they get some great customer service somebody with a smile they say to them say hey we love people who love what they do and can we get a photo with you with these red glasses on, photo for people who see their Mondays differently, and we post those. You can have a look at the website. We post photos of people all around the world who love to go to work and make a difference. And so it's, nobody's more surprised than me how this has got traction, uh, not just here in Australia, but around the world. And um, even my book is just about, I think, already is a bestseller. So it seems like we're scratching an itch in the local church, I think, about how to think about spirituality every day of the week. So the numbers have clicked over and your book is a bestseller. It is worthwhile getting a hold of. It's called Thank God It's Monday. You did mention there is a special Thank God It's Monday movement website. Just re- yeah. re- repeat that one for us, if yeah, you wouldn't mind, uh, Paul. W- yeah, www.tgim-movement.com. And actually, we'd love you to get on the Instagram as well. So Instagram and uh, Instagram is at TGIM, uh, online. Uh, if you go there, and also Facebook is TGM Line as well. And again, hearing your stories, this is a movement of everyday people who believe that what they're doing, what they're doing, is making a difference. And so we'd love, we'd love to hear your stories. I'd love you to get the book. It seems like if you're a senior pastor listening or a church leader, the book is actually a story of how I transitioned my church from a church that was a great church, but often inward, to a church that honestly that my community could not do without. In fact, Neil, we did a survey of our community. I paid a research company to survey community asking the question, what do, what do they think of when they think of Lighthouse? This was five years ago after 10 years of community. And our community, 73% of our community said a Lighthouse is a place that helps people. That's 73% of our community. And they also said that it's different than any other church they know. And so we knew we were onto something. So my book really is a story of how I transitioned my church to a church the community now says they can't do without. Okay. Well, Paul Bartlett, we have run out of time, but a great conversation. And uh, let's make a loose plan to get together on another day and we'll choose a different topic. But we'll come across some of these new ways of thinking about uh, engaging the community and really loving the community. Paul Bartlett's the national leader for, uh, for community engagement in the Australian Christian churches. His book is called Thank God It's Monday. And uh, you can get a hold of that. T-G-I-M. And you mentioned... Uh, Dash, does that mean a hyphen or an underscore? 
movement tgim-movement.com there's also a website for the conference that we're talking about it's acccommunityengagement.org.au that's that community engagement conference coming up on the 5th and 6th of September in Wollongong Uh, Paul Bartlett just great talking thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020 Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.